0: Hi, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to The Astrology Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with astrologer Claire Moon about making the transition from being an enthusiast of astrology to practicing it professionally. So hey, Claire, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I am excited to have you on the show tonight. So it's a bit of an impromptu um, episode or discussion, but based on something that we've been talking about a little bit off and on over the years, I think over the past what, three or four years maybe that I've known you mm-hmm. in watching you make the transition from like somebody who's interested in astrology to an enthusiast to like a full-blown astrologer to now um, having quit your day job and practicing astrology professionally. So you've actually mm-hmm. gone like the entire like run the full gamut of that that whole process at this point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of in the thick of it now, but yes.
0: Yeah. Uh okay, so I thought it would be good to talk to you about that and maybe give some insight for other people that are going through that process or any advice that I can give and just mm-hmm. talk about some different pieces of that. So maybe where should we start? Maybe just introducing you in terms of what your background in astrology is or how long you've been interested in it or studying it.
1: Yeah, where did it all begin? Yes. Right. Um yeah, we can start there.
0: Okay. Uh where are you from again?
1: I am originally from Minnesota, but I live in Wisconsin.
0: Okay. And um how how long have you been studying astrology?
1: So, I have been studying since about the end of 2016, right when Jupiter went into Libra was when I got bit by the bug. So, Okay.
0: 2016. Yeah, that was a wild wild year. And <laughs> what all what drew you into it?
1: Uh, it was a very long road of denial. I, as a child, I really enjoyed horoscopes. I would read them mm. on the cosmopolitan magazines, of course. Uh, but then, you know, fast forward a couple decades and my hairstylist, it's always the hairstylist. Mm. They get you. Yeah, and that was the only place I'd let myself entertain it. Um, but she would always bring it up. <laughs> it finally got. It finally got me. So that's kind of what drew me in. And then I just started learning on my own.
0: Okay. So you started studying it on your own once maybe she exposed you to like birth charts or more advanced forms of astrology or something like that?
1: I mean, not even just any type of not science, not hard science. It was my first foray into not that. So she actually was really into numerology or she was into she was into astrology. She was into a lot of things, but um yeah. she was I knew her for like a decade at that point. And so I really trusted her. And she was the only person I kind of felt safe um, indulging in what she had to say about astrology, or I'd tell her, you know, my birthday and she'd tell me something about myself.
0: Right, because your background is more in a science background and you actually, Mm -hmm. that was your primary profession, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I was a pharmacist, or I, I still am. Um, I'm a pharmacist and I have been since 2013. i uh, been in the industry itself for 13 years in uh, the pharmaceutical industry, but more on the not in the industry side, the clinical side.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that uh, field, medical fields have a little bit slightly more stringent like background and education and training and other uh, things than the field of astrology. So that was a bit of a difference than even. In comparison, maybe going from more of a science-based or um yeah, medical field to astrology,
1: yeah, yeah. that's been a big, a big change. That was a lot to wrap my little head around uh, when I got started with all of this. Um so, yeah, it's been certainly a big thing to get used to to have so much, like, I guess, hardness, hard edges on everything. Uh, in in kind of the hard modern sciences versus pretty much everything else in life that has softer edges and allowing myself to uh, learn an art that isn't so binary and black and white in a lot of ways.
0: Mm, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There can be tend to be more shades of gray, and that's one of the weird things about astrology is that. Um, ability to cross over between those two two areas a little bit more than you would expect that should be possible in terms of between, I guess some people often say like an art versus a science, even though that sounds cliche, there's some like truth to that.
1: Oh, it's totally truth to that. I even, I even say inventory in pharmacy is an art and a science, <laughs> so like a lot of things can be an art and a science. Um, but yeah, certainly astrology and my you know, practice as a healthcare professional, I didn't think there was any overlap when I started. And there's there's certainly things that are different about the two, but there's a lot more overlap in the skills than I, that are required for both of those things that I didn't realize until I really started seriously getting into astrology and learning it, and then eventually practicing it and sharing it with people. Um, and once I was doing that, for at least a couple years, it really started to, I feel like the connection started to coalesce a little bit more. Because when I was starting this journey, I was very concerned. I was like, oh man, this is not at all the same. This is an entire, I'm totally starting over. This is an entirely different thing. And I, I felt like I was starting over from square one. Um, but the truth is, is I really wasn't. Uh, there's plenty of skills. And I think this is actually a good point, to bring home for people who are in other professions who want to cross over and do astrology professionally is that you probably do have a lot of skills that you're not realizing you have in the thick of your other career that are really applicable to other things. So,
0: yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's actually been a really interesting thing for me coming from the other direction as an astrologer is that learning astrology and have the the motivation to want to become the best astrologer, be the best astrologer I can be. And do as much with it as I can has actually made me interested in, and in, in learning, but also seeing the value of other fields and other specializations. Which sometimes you have to learn as an astrologer to some extent to do what you do. So you know, there's a bunch of different crossovers like that. Like I'm trying to think, mm-hmm. of, like like right now we just had to set up a bunch of uh, tech stuff for like audio recording and video recording, mm-hmm. it, and I've had to learn like a little bit of. um videography or a little bit of like sound editing or a little bit of website design or other things that are like some people's entire specialization but as an astrologer you end up having to do so many or wear so many hats especially also as a self-employed person that um yeah that's been my experience with it yeah but that's absolutely. a good point so so oftentimes astrologers that have other professions there's a way this that their primary profession can actually that knowledge can can become handy as they become an astrologer
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, One thing that came to mind was when I was taking your professional astrology course, uh, you had mentioned that you really have to be kind of a renaissance person. Uh, You have to be a jack of all trades, have to be able to do a lot of things. And that is true. That is very true. Uh, It's becoming very apparent to me now, (laughs) especially with the technology setup, that there is a lot that we need to be able to do as a self-employed astrologer. Uh, But yeah, like even just within pharmacy, talking to people or, you know, So many professions are centered around either one-on-one client interactions or patient interactions or other communicative things. And it really, I don't think we realize how much we've learned about these things while we're doing it. And it takes some space away from that or doing something new to be like, oh yeah, I am actually pretty good at sending a professional email. You know, uh, not like, I don't think people appreciate the things that they actually are really good at from other occupations. Uh I think it's a lot of things we take for granted that we're good at
0: that we Yeah. Aren't. Yeah, definitely like mm-hmm. um you're mentioning almost like like bedside manner a little bit when dealing with like mm-hmm. clients or or um not just clients but in your instance it was like what what is the term in the medical patience. field for client patients not call clients.
1: Patients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um yeah, so that's a that's a really good one, or you know, other like clerical skills and things like that that are sort of relevant.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, or even just you know the idea of taking on responsibility. Um, if we have, if you're any in any kind of profession or job, you have some kind of responsibility because you have to show up every day. Uh, but obviously, that can get pretty intense depending on what your career is or what your job is, and. Uh, that kind of responsibility and that sense of being able to take on work i think is something that is cultivated in other careers that we don't lose when we stop that job we take that with us and we are able to then you know have the the fortitude to to do things it's just put it in the list of skills that we take for granted
0: right um what are Because I actually wrote a tweet about this not very long ago, where I like try to enumerate like a bunch of the different things that the hats that astrologers end up wearing. And there's things like they could become relevant, like historians, because you know studying the tradition of astrology, you have to like learn about the history and all these different figures and learn Mm -hmm. historical analysis and how to weigh reading sources, or sometimes being translators and like translating texts. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the other different like hats that astrologers wear?
1: goodness. So communicative, you know, obviously just talking to people in written and verbally, in nonverbal ways as well. We still have video even if we're not in person. Um, Astrologers have to be able to. The thing that I've noticed the most is like, especially, you know, granted my experiences in medicine, so a lot of my analogies come from there. But just the idea of a very complex system with many moving parts and many different layers and many, many different layers uh, that you can look into, that is the same with astrology and with medicine. And with a lot of other things where you just have this very complex system that you have to be able to navigate, understand, and then synthesize something from it and be able to tell someone about that in a way that makes sense to them. Um, The way that we have to as astrologers turn astrologies or like our astrology lingo into something that is consumable by a layperson. Um, that is something that astrologers have to do and that is a special skill, for sure. Yeah,
0: not using um, the lingo or the in-language of, of the astrological field, which are like technical terms that don't mean anything to a non-astrologer and learning how to translate that into something useful to a non-specialist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, of course, just all of the myriad administrative things Um being on top of my calendar, being on top of emails, understanding, you know, what is kind of, um, I guess, professional etiquette, you know, you should probably respond to someone within 72 hours, <laughs> those kind of things. Again, it's just things that we don't really think about that are actually things that we learn that we can take with us from wherever we were into astrology that astrology needs as well.
0: Yeah, I'm still working on that 72-hour thing, but I'm otherwise on board with <laughs> with all of this.
1: Oh, I accidentally uh, called you out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. This is getting a little personal, but I, I mentioned so my tweet. I mentioned biographers, like you know, biographers. That's actually a major, useful skill for astrologers. And sometimes astrologers researching mm-hmm. case studies, you're you're researching biographies and kind of sometimes end up writing biographies from an astrological perspective as well. So also counselors, which you kind of mentioned, researchers, astronomers, like the extent which astronomy is integrated into astrology, Mm -hmm. linguists, psychologists, writers, yeah, teachers, um, uh, prognosticators, healers to some extent, oracles in a sort of metaphysical sense, philosophers, the extent to which astrology opens up like big life questions that are really philosophical issues. Teachers, artists, scientists, empiricists, futurologists—all sort of rolled into one.
1: Oh yeah, strategists for sure.
0: Strategists, yeah, that's a good one.
1: Because,
0: mm-hmm. um, like in you know medieval times, there's people like like Guido Bonatti that are like helping people launch battles and like wars using electional astrology. But in modern times, you have uh, slightly less bloody versions of that, where people are, you know, helping people to launch business ventures or. Um, you know, picking a time to get married or something like that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I heard something really interesting recently that oh, I think it was an Ottoman Empire documentary, but they wouldn't pick a general who didn't have some kind of Scorpio ascendant or midheaven because of the strategy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that would eventually happen.
0: Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, I like that. Um. All right, so. Backing up a little bit, when you did start making that transition though, because if that was 2016, that was still actually relatively recently. That was only five years ago. And I don't know if I'm just saying that because I'm getting older and like periods of time, like five years sound like nothing to me, but that sounds like relatively recently. So you went through a whole life transition over the past five years. And I know one of the ways that I first, I think our first interaction actually was on. Reddit where you posted this thing to one of the astrology subreddits and you're Mm -hmm. kind of asking more of a personal question of, I've gotten really into astrology recently, but um, my partner's not, an astrologer is not into it, and sometimes that's kind of tricky to navigate. How do other people navigate it? And I thought that was a really interesting question at the time. And um, yeah, just where you were coming from because I could see how that would be really tricky or really difficult. Was that how it was framed? Am I framing that properly?
1: Yeah, that's exactly how it went down. Uh, that okay. was definitely tricky.
0: <laughs> and how did that what what was the what were how, how did it work out at basically or how did you navigate those two?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just I had to really commit to honesty. Uh, I had to really commit to, I mean, anytime you share something new with someone, especially someone that you care about, I think a lot of us fear the repercussions of like, what will they think of me? Will they still want to be my friend? Will they still want to be in my life if they think I'm a crackpot, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And you just at some point, you I mean, I decided that what I really enjoyed and what I was loving in astrology was important enough for me to take that risk. And so I did um and i just explained it and there was a lot of explaining that had to happen um he i mean the reason was just that he was nervous and it was sort of cute because his main concern when he found out that i was into astrology was that i was going to listen to a horoscope and and like break up with him or something like i was going to be manipulated by the skies in some way that it would make me think that i was supposed to you know that i might make a mistake in my own life because i was because fo- i was following astrological guidance of some kind um, I had to explain to him that that's not how any of this works. And, you know, how dare you think I'm so malleable that I would let the skies control these decisions in that way. Uh, but it took a little bit of explaining that way. And just I, I really had to explain astrology to him. I just had to explain how it worked and and what the the most important things that I think helped were explaining the profession, actually, and the kind of ethos and etiquette and philosophy of astrologers that I had been made aware of. So I was actually really thankful for all of your podcasts at the time that openly discussed a lot of the philosophy and a lot of the professionalism with astrology and a lot of the ethical concerns, like very out in the open. Um, So yeah, I basically talked with him about all of that. And he understood. And of course, with knowledge comes less fear So that's how it kind of went down. Um, Since then, he has been increasingly supportive. Uh, So, you know, it turned out fine. It was a little rocky there. I mean, if you have a, a scientist type partner for a decade and right. you randomly come upon, you know, what he came upon. when I left my journal open, and it had some, I had some—I had scribbled astrological glyphs all over it because oh, if you're no. in a, oh no, oh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he thought like, I was losing my mind. I think and she's
0: ri- writing in this crazy language, and there's all these triangles yeah. and squares, and I don't know what it means. And
1: yeah, he thought I was losing it. I think because um, he didn't know what the glyphs were, obviously. And <laughs> and for anyone who's into astrology, you know that if you keep a journal, eventually your journal just turns into an astrology journal. Pretty much, and it's you know it's half-written yeah. it, astrologies and glyphs and so and yeah, that was a all thing. sorts
0: of dates and times written down very methodically. <laughs>
1: yeah. If you don't know what you're looking at, it's a little concerning.
0: Yeah. Um, because yeah. that, that is tough because I would think that um it would look from an outsider's perspective essentially almost as if a person has gone through like a religious conversion or probably in some People's like worst case fears. They might fear that their partner has gotten into like a cult or something like that, and they're going to mm-hmm. like ru- run off and join a cult and live on a commune or like something like that. Um, <laughs> yes. Which so far has not happened, right? Just
1: so far, so good.
0: So far, so good. Okay, <laughs> good. I haven't found the astrology commune yet myself. I'm still looking for it. But I was going to um, say,
1: let me know if you find it. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> okay.
0: <I> don't. <laughs> Should be clear that you're joking in case your partner does watch this episode, as well as anyone else's partner who is (laughs) non astrologer.
1: Yeah. I will say, though, you know, it is worth noting, being we are kind of talking about, um, you know, that transition from uh, lay job to astrologer job. As much as that was a whole journey we went on together, he's cool with it. Then the next step of that, the next kind of ante up is, oh, hey, so not only am I into this, not only is this kind of my life now a little bit. I'm going to quit my job and our shared financial income. Yeah. Uh, that is a whole nother type of step to take if you're in a relationship like mine in this situation. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, honey, I'm quitting my day job to go be an astrologer right. and read read the future for people. <laughs>
1: right. And yeah. spend way too much time writing about it. What are you writing about in there? Um, so yeah, it's, it, and he, again, he shows up and he comes around. It's totally fine. You know, hopefully everyone can be as hashtag blessed as me. Um, but it certainly has been some conversations that needed to happen. So if you're out there and you're in my position, you just got to have the conversations and that's all there is to it in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, one of the important points, one of the things I've tried to do with the the podcast is just show that it's it's possible to be a normal, reasonably normal, reasonably well adjusted like person from modern society that grew up in the late twentieth and early twenty first century and happens to think that astrology is a legitimate phenomenon and mm-hmm. incorporates it into my uh, life in some way and also makes that my primary profession and career and passion and that there's like a good way to do that that's reasonably respectable and not crazy or kooky or too far out there and sometimes just doing that and showing people that that is possible can sometimes change people's perceptions a lot more than than just about anything else
1: that's what i'm working on right now <laughs> i'm trying okay. to lead by example and just show like yeah i can work a i can get up in the morning and do 8 hours of work and it's related to astrology and it feels great and i can yeah it can be a normal well grounded thing it doesn't have to be this you know kooky feral crazy life it, i my goal is to make it as boring of existence as possible with this yeah
0: right um so in that vein so i'm assuming that your primary focus as an astrologer as a professional mm-hmm. astrologer now is like doing consultations right
1: yes yep that is what i'm working on right now
0: okay And how sometimes people, I've noticed this phenomenon where um, some students, some honestly, some of the smarter students or some of the students that are like more thoughtful, tend to put off doing consultations for longer than they should. Whereas sometimes the students that are occasionally, this is not always the case, but less thoughtful will like rush in and start offering consultations way sooner than they should before they Mm -hmm. know much at all. Um, so I always say that, and I've said that many times on the podcast, in order to encourage people to do start doing it sooner than they might otherwise. But when did you start making that transition to reading charts for people professionally?
1: Somewhere around year four. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, and of course everybody's different with how quickly you learn and how much time you have to devote to it every day or every week, um, right. while you're you know still doing your quote unquote normal life or whatever. Um, but yeah, about year four I started doing that and. I, of course, I was, I had trepidations, uh, especially coming from a formal, like, contemporary educational background where you're very forced to do certain things. You're very forced to get degrees or um, certifications or whatever. And, and like, you shall not pass go without those. That is not the case for astrology. And you have to be kind of your own manager, your own um, teacher in a way as far as being your own mentor sometimes as far as like when am I ready when am I not ready uh, but certainly something for me that is that helped me make that jump is that I've already had a decade counseling patients for anywhere from five to 60 minutes at a time about all kinds of dark topics so you know one of my main concerns going into astrology you know actually seeing clients was my ability to speak to you know all the things of life challenging or otherwise with uh empathy and grace and be able to do that well and i don't know if i would have started in year four had i not had my past this is another reason where like your past career might come in handy um but but certainly uh like you always say half of learning happens through doing consults through looking at other people's charts and having dialogue with other people about their charts which is what happens in a consult so Yeah, you're not gonna feel ready. I don't think you'll ever. I don't. Yeah, I don't think you'll feel ready.
0: It's tough. It's a tough catch twenty-two because, like, yeah, like I I always say, like that fifty percent of learning astrology is just the book learning. Book learning is only fifty percent of it, and people don't realize that. That the other fifty percent only happens when you sit down and talk with people about their lives regularly, especially in a consulting setting, because the Exchange, especially the monetary exchange, puts a pressure on the astrologer to perform and like do the best job that they can. Where even if you're just reading charts for free, like that's fine and that's somewhat useful, but um, there's not quite as much pressure, even if you're only charging like five dollars or something like that. Um, yeah, you but you learn a lot in that process just sitting in a, down and talking to people because people will talk and explain their charts to you just by talking about their life and you will see the chart come alive in a way that you can't any other way
1: absolutely yeah that happens all the time uh, you'll just and it's made listening a lot easier for those of you who have a hard time being a good active listener uh, it's really great to be able to just listen to someone talk about their life and be able to watch them saying their chart to you uh, it makes your job a lot easier it makes it listening a lot easier and it helps you learn so as scary as it is to take that leap and do consults with actual other humans there are parts of it that are really really fun so i promise it's worth it um and you know the first handful are going to be messy they always are it's how you learn it's not you know i think so many times we have the luxury of having a learning process where we have a really strong mentor we have people holding our hands we have people giving us curriculums and astrology like it takes a lot of, like, internal fortitude because no one is holding your hand. No one, like, very few people are telling you exactly how to do these things. And uh, so the the sense of struggle may, and this is an opinion now of mine, may seem higher coming out of the gate, you know, when doing these consults. But, like, that's how it's supposed to be. If If you're feeling like you knocked it out of the park on the first one, congrats. But probably probably won't, <laughs> and that's okay. That's how it's supposed to go. It's kind of like uh, the the butterfly that it has reached its it's done with its goo phase in the cocoon, and it's got its wings, but it has to like wrestle its way out of the cocoon. Otherwise, it'll never be strong enough to fly on its own. So that's like how I think about these first handful of in anything. In healthcare and astrology, it's all the same. Your first consults are gonna be uncomfortable, but it's it's really great. It's a really great experience to do.
0: Yeah, I did um something I see I did exactly what I see a lot of younger astrologers do sometimes, which is they start off doing written consults and they end up spending like way too much time on it and so they can agonize over like every piece of it and sometimes take like days or weeks so that in the end it ends up you know, they end up um, being paid like cents, basically for like a few pennies for the work they end up actually putting into it. Um And I always try to tell people like not to start there. It's really not a good idea to start with writing stuff out because the consultation has always historically been a dialogue between the astrologer and the client, and there's something really special about that exchange that's actually a key component of it. And if you try to write everything out, you're going to be missing a major piece of that.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that 100%. Uh, not only just from the efficiency standpoint and understanding your self-worth that you, I promise you're worth more than like writing for 16 hours and making 30 bucks. Uh, it's not worth it, but I, I guess when it comes to sitting down with someone and having verbal dialogue and yeah, it's its own experience. You cannot, you cannot, uh, put something in its place like like those writing type of things and expect to get the same kind of outcome in your own learning and your own experience
0: right so all right so you started doing consultations at some point and made that leap after 3 or 4 years of study and um you've did the the website thing oh yeah one of the things we have to mention is the two lives, the two two career paths, or two professional lives, because there's like with many people sometimes there's an overlap between their two careers where they're still edging out of one and into another. And some people, some astrologers, I've, I've seen this over the years, have to keep those two separate deliberately because if their primary career, if uh, it became known that they were an astrologer, they might actually get fired or get in trouble or it could be problematic. So sometimes they have to come up with like. A stage name or something like that to keep those those worlds separate. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's been your case as well, right?
1: That is correct. Yep, I, you know, and this is a totally personal choice. I'm sure it depends on where you live in the world, what country you're in, all kinds of things. Uh, But yeah, certainly pharmacists can't hang. Uh, No offense, pharmacists out there, if you're listening, all five of you in the whole world. Uh, But most of the administrative structures are. Traditional type of folks they they don't always look at these more. And I don't want to call astrology new age because it's not at all, but it gets lumped in with a lot of that. Uh, I think I've heard you talk about that before. Um you know, and astrology is partly you know, a form of divination, but the, a layperson's idea of what astrology is is usually a little far off base. And I can't trust that they'll know that or not. So unfortunately, as much as like I want to scream from the top of a mountain, like how much I love astrology, and you know I I'm not at that place in my life. Um, I care less and less by the year, and I get a little bit more reckless every year because I just it's it's a pain. It's a real struggle to keep a pseudonym, a pen name, a stage name, a street name, whatever you want to call it, uh, and keep that separate, especially when I'm online trying to make a brand, trying to make a business, trying to you know. Be seen and be heard, but then, at the same time, not be seen and heard in other places. it's It's a whole thing, yeah,
0: yeah. That is. I remember my first time, like needing to put astrologer on a lease where I was trying to, like, apply for an apartment and just be feeling dread because it's not it's not even um so much like you were saying somebody knowing what astrology is and thinking badly of it because they're familiar with it. It's that, you have no idea what their perception of astrology is going to be or what misconceptions they may have about it just based on what you say. Cause it could be a whole range of things that ranges from like slightly accurate to just like wildly not at all what you do. Like they mm-hmm. might hear astrology and some people immediately see like tarot cards or like palm reading or numerology or, you know, people selling. Um, magic spells or like other things like that that may not have anything to do with what you actually do as an astrologer,
1: right? Yep, and uh, especially in astrology, there's there's medical astrology, and the last thing that I think any future employer of mine in the layperson world, they're not going to want to see that conflated. I can guarantee you that. Um, and of course, there's going to be like, you know, a few open minded people on the other side of my future resume. But I cannot guarantee that you just never know who is going to be on the other side of that resume. Um, so, yeah, I'm very conflicted about that because I'm very proud of being an astrologer. Like I'm I, I really have grown into v- being very proud of it and proud of my ability to suspend my very rigid beliefs for a minute to get into it uh, and not being able to express that it is not. It's not like my favorite way to live, um, but my son is on my ascendant, or my progressed son, I should say, is on my ascendant, so it's probably only a matter of time now. Probably just gonna okay. merge the two. just come out of the big old closet, but right now I'm not ready.
0: <laughs> you You' talking about secondary progressed hitting the ascendant. that always reminds me yeah. of my like biggest example of that that now, unfortunately is like comes to mind the first anytime anybody says that, which is like, um, in 2016, secondary progressed. I believe it was the sun and Donald Trump's chart hit his ascendant at the Republican convention when he became (laughs) the nominee and like emerged (laughs) from the battles of like the Republican primaries to thwart his enemies and like, you know, eventually become the Mm -hmm. president. So that's basically, basically you right now is what you're saying, but in an astrological context.
1: We can only hope that I am as successful at what I want to do as he was unfortunately successful at what he did. <laughs> so okay. uh yeah, let's hope I'm successful at what I want to do of merging all of my identities. But until then I I hide in the shadows a bit.
0: Okay. Well there's nothing mm. nothing wrong with that. It's a little harder and I, I sometimes tell people if they don't have to do that, not to like use a pseudonym because sometimes like your your name and different things becomes part of your um work as an astrologer is it sometimes becomes partially based on your your reputation and people's familiarity with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I say that more for people that set up not a secondary name, but use more of a gimmick type name that isn't really like a name, but it's just like something it's more like their business name as their primary designation. And sometimes mm-hmm. it seems like a little harder to promote that, I feel like than, um, I don't know, just using a name of some sort.
1: I agree with that. Uh, When I was deciding on what I wanted to call my website, what I wanted to call my business or me, I mean, ideally I would have just gone the, you know, the way that you and Lisa have gone where you just used your names. It's just your names and then the word astrology. Uh, It's super easy, super straightforward. Uh, Because of my choice to keep things separate, I did decide to go with a business name. And I will say that having a separate Separately named business has been more cumbersome um, in a few ways. Uh, I mean, just mentally for myself, and then also logistically, it's just one more puzzle piece to kind of move around when you're figuring out about how to talk about yourself to potential clients.
0: Sure. I mean, that being said, like there's something about branding, and I mean, my thing has certainly worked out with like the podcast, for example, mm-hmm. of calling it like the Astrology Podcast, not. Chris Brennan podcast or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I should I should point out that my my website, my URL is chrisbrennanastrologer.com for my consulting site. The only reason that's the case is because um chrisbrennan.com was taken because there's this MMA fighter named Chris Brennan whose uh nickname is the West Side Strangler and I've been fighting that guy for like the Google search rankings for years and only recently I think started to emerge victorious as the primary Chris Brennan, but I think there's other contenders, so I have to stay on my toes.
1: Yeah, when I googled you back in like 2017, <laughs> I remember the MMA guy. coming. Yeah, I remember he, that. I remember that.
0: <laughs> really? Uh, damn it! Yeah. You see, he's been he's been haunting me for like a decade. But that's all that's all right. Like I give him, you know, props. Uh, I think that's actually pretty cool that he's been so successful. But um, yeah, I've, I've he's still. I have to beat him on in the search rankings do you have that problem with your main name like that's always something when somebody has like a generic name that that's tough if they have to like compete with other people
1: I mean so far Claire moon's been fine uh, okay uh, my real name is is a hot mess of vowels so I'm sure that'll be fine um but yeah
0: okay um good well that's a whole thing so transitioning um, letting people know at what point do you start? Mm-hmm you know, do you introduce yourself as an astrologer uh, in polite company? That's always a, a tough question oh, yeah. if it's just like a stranger and whether you say that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some other things that like come up as you're making that transition over the past year or two?
1: I mean, just financially, I really had to prepare for it. Uh, You know, I think it's going to be relevant with people in our age group. You know, if you started getting student loan debt in about the recession times, so like 2006, 2007, if that's about when you were starting college or any time in there, um, you probably have a lot of student loan debt. And that's something to account for, because if you have if you can be on income based repayment plans, That is what you want to do before you quit your job. Make sure you're on an income-based repayment plan for all of your student loans so that, and again, I'm no financial planner and this is only my experience, this is only my opinion. Um, Talk to a financial advisor, but uh, having that means that after a year of making no money, then my student loan payments go way down. So if you can just get through that first year and just commit to making like no income, um, your income-based repayments are going to change, right? So that's a huge, a huge point. If you have refinanced your student loans, you may not have that option available to you. Um, but that has been one of the key financial things that has made this transition possible. Um, so you know you may have to save up and plan for that that time off, but or time away from job while you're getting you're onto your feet in your new kind of role in in your work but yeah, it's so that's that's the other big piece I had to think about too so I mean pretty much all the chunks of life came in to this transition
0: mm, right yeah student loans and yeah the extent to which some of your pre- previous career things are relevant or can be integrated mm-hmm. versus the extent to which it's not or those are like disconnected from going a completely new route in your life mm-hmm Yeah, um, that brought up one other thing. Uh, Oh, yeah, consultations. So how are you doing in terms of structuring consultations in a week? And I'm often fascinated and I always ask different astrologers, like how many consultations would you do in a day max? Uh, Because I know some astrologers like myself that like I'll do like one consultation a day and I'll be worn out or like two would be you know, I could do it, but it would be pushing it. But I know mm-hmm. other astrologers, they're like, yeah, I could do five or six consultations in a day, no, no sweat. Um, where are you when it comes to that?
1: I mean, yeah, I've thought about that a lot. Um, I plan on, I mean, it'd be really great if I could have two or three a day for a few days a week. That would be mm. amazing. I don't have that right now. Uh, however, I think max, if I want to not burn myself out emotionally, uh, I probably wouldn't do more than two or three a day. I mm. think I could do more. I could do four or five a day just fine, but I don't know if that would be good for me.
0: How are you doing with prep time or how much prep time do you take, if any, at this point?
1: Um, Anywhere from like a half hour to an hour. Uh, you know, mm. Sometimes you look at a chart and it's just like really right there for you. And then other times you have to spend a little bit more time with it. Um, I usually like to look at it the night before. I do the consult, and then I sleep on it, and then I don't know that there's like some magical thing that happens when I sleep on it. It's just like I, when I would study for an exam in college, I would make sure that I had at least one sleep cycle between studying and the exam because I think it helps a billion times. So, yeah, yeah, probably half hour, hour.
0: There was this would be a great discussion topic all on itself, and maybe I did that a little bit with Lisa in an episode last year, but. uh, Millie Michelle on Twitter asked, "You know, what is the first thing that you look at in a natal chart?" And for me, it was like the ruler of the ascendant and the most positive and negative benefics based on sect. Um, what do you look at, or what have been the things that have been coming up for you the most with clients?
1: Yep, that is exactly what I look at first. I look at the ascendant ruler and where that's located in the chart. I uh, look for just. Big challenges, big opportunities. So, pretty much like you said, the malefics and benefics of sect, where they are in the chart. Uh, I do like to be a little bit more. I don't know if this is more modern, but just really looking at uh, the ratio of elements in the chart and modalities. Um, I see if there's any, you know. Oh well, yeah, I guess that that's my that's my initial stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Just mm-hmm. paying attention to if they have like a huge amount of planets and like fire signs as that's gonna tell you something versus a huge mm-hmm. amount of planets and water signs. We've been talking about doing and we may still do like an episode on stelliums that we were putting together and you were doing some research for that today, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm looking for interesting people with stelliums.
0: What was one of your favorite ones again?
1: So far it is Garth Brooks. Uh, Just because I watched a mini little documentary about him and it was hilarious. And that's why I looked up his chart and I was like, wow, it's everything in Aquarius, (laughs) except for this poor Pisces moon in the 10th, where all of his emotion just gets channeled right out into the public. Uh, Probably for financially great reasons, but also I think he's hilarious because of it. (laughs) Such a weirdo. (laughs) Love it.
0: That reminds yeah, that reminds me of the inauguration, the Biden's inauguration when he came out and he was like shaking hands and hugging everybody.
1: I didn't know he was there. What?
0: Well, you know, you have to watch it. It's hilarious. It's it was probably my favorite part of the entire inaugurations was was like Garth books coming out and like everyone's still trying to practice like um COVID protocols, but he was just like, you know, F it and he like hugged like I think it was like Obama <laughs> or something, or Hillary or somebody and yeah, that's that Pisces moon, that makes sense. Yeah. So so he was part of that 1962 stellium. I'll show mm-hmm. it really quickly, but he just barely missed by what, like a couple of days, having the moon in Aquarius as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Oh, how would that have been? Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty packed in there. Definitely the Aquarius assembly of '62.
0: Nice. I like that. Um, yeah. Some like new age people like predicted that the Antichrist would be born on this chart in like February 5th or something of 1962. So I guess. <laughs> we we didn't quite get that. We just got ended up with Garth Brooks.
1: Cool stuff, slick stuff, neat stuff. Garth Brooks, that's what we got. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'll take it. That sounds far preferable. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Stelliums, worked on that at some point. point, first steps in looking at a chart. Has there been anything that surprised you doing consultations with clients as you've been using yourself into that over the past year or so that you didn't expect when before you started doing that?
1: Uh, probably how little I actually can get through in a 60 minute period of time and how much I would like to. Uh, so, the amount of stuff that I want to tell somebody is so massive. And the actual time, once you sit down with someone, and you, especially if you're having a really good dialogue with them and they're engaging with you really well. Um, 60 minutes, 75 minutes goes by really fast. And so what I've been most surprised about is just like how little I actually like have, like, I just don't have enough time to tell them everything, (laughs) you know, you want to tell them. And, and, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, that's, I guess that's another thing that's really similar to my, my other profession. You know, you never have enough time to tell people what you need to tell them. Either because they don't want to listen to you or because the clock runs out, one of the two. I thought it would be different if I had control over it, but it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things that came up in the episode that Lisa and I did on uh, tips for getting the most out of a reading was really like prioritizing and realizing that you're not going to be able to cover probably everything you want, especially if you have like too many things on your item list, because even though 75 minutes sounds like a lot of time like once you get down to it and actually start having a dialogue it's not quite as much time as you as you think.
1: Right. And then on the other side of that coin though I will say like you don't need to say that much and or you don't need to look at that many things of in the chart to get a plethora of insight and information. Like it really doesn't actually take that much. Um, And that kind of goes back to the point of like, when am I ready to start consulting with actual clients? Um, Probably sooner than you think, because really you don't need to Go through all seven visible planets. You know, if you end up on three, it's probably plenty for their brain to take in. And that's feedback that I get a lot is just that like people get very full of insight during that hour or so with you, um more than you would think. And I think we kind of take it for granted too, after we've been do- in astrology or doing astrology for a number of years. I think we even start to take for granted. Like how much we were soaking up when we started, you know, or when we were new to astrology, we were like little sponges. So that's what all of our clients are like, pretty much, do.
0: Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're saying something in that I've lost the thought. But uh, what were you just saying?
1: I was talking about how, like, you know, on one side of the coin, it's like I don't have nearly enough time to say everything I want to say, but I don't really right. need to say that much, actually. Um, yeah, it's a, de- it's a, it's definitely, and this is another reason why it's really good to start consulting with people instead of doing that, the whole writing thing, um, actually getting into a one on one space. Another reason to do that so that you can experience that.
0: Yeah. Getting the feedback is actually an important, um, mm-hmm. component, component from a technical standpoint of what the astrologer does because it allows them to augment and, um, increase the sharpness of what they're doing. Um, oh, but right. to, And to go back to your point though, sometimes the simplest things can end up being the most profound or the things that seem the simplest or the most obvious or straightforward to you as the astrologer from a technical standpoint can end up being much more profound to the client than you realize.
1: Yes. Yep. Every time. Never, never ceases to amaze me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like that. I mean, that's one of the more fascinating things about being an astrologer and hearing people um talk about their life and seeing it in their chart is sometimes how utterly just like literal the manifestations of the placements are. And that's one of the things that always keeps me coming back to astrology and has always kept me interested. and you know, you you wonder if you'll like get get bored at some point or if you'll be like, it turns out that this you'll open your eyes and it turns out that this isn't real or something like that. but it that's what the things that's really strange the longer you're in astrology is that, um, despite your best efforts sometimes as like a normal like rational human being live in the early twenty first century, um the astrology often does seem to like work way more than it ever you would ever think that it should, and that's that's the most bizarre thing I think about this entire enterprise,
1: yeah, I agree with that, and it's actually also very comforting because. As someone who did come into this with a lot of doubt and who has continued to have this skeptical brain that is just constantly like, but why? Why do I say this? Why do I say that? What? But why though? But I don't need astrology to say that, right? I can just say that. Um, having consistent reminders from astrology itself that, oh yeah, I can't explain why that worked so well. Um that keeps happening. So I keep having this fear of like am I going to get bored of it? Am I going to but it's like no, I just keep getting these examples of like yep, can't make that shit up. So right. you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough cuz it just keeps working. If it would just like stop working no. for long enough, we could we could get out of it and go back and have normal day jobs and be normal 30 something. <laughs> no uh year old productive members of society. But unfortunately, as long as the astrology keeps working as well as it is, we're gonna have to keep keep at it.
1: I'll keep my fingers crossed.
0: Okay. Um so what is something that people thinking about making this transition should do? So you're you're obviously you're still trying to make it, you're still working on it. You're working I was having a conversation with another guy yesterday who's primarily does YouTube and he's doing pretty well growing his channel. Um, and things related to that, but he was having a question about how much he should use social media, and he's kind of like scared of social media because he's heard it's both a huge time sink as well as that things like Twitter can be incredibly toxic, which is to some extent true, although there's there's also positive sides as well at the same time. Um, how do you feel about social media? Where are you at with that at this point?
1: Necessary evil, for sure. Um, necessary
0: evil, okay. So it's like yeah. a, a poison to be used in in small doses.
1: Yeah, I think it's a tool that can be used, uh, skillfully. It's difficult though, because I'm very addicted to my phone as we all are. And, uh, there's something very strange going, well, that's a different topic. Maybe I'll get into that in a minute, but, uh, there is, it's, it's, it is kind of strange thinking about social media in an entertainment sphere and then, then changing that thinking to, oh, this is a business tool actually. Um, And then not, you know, making sure that you're not on that social media unless you are using it to do your business thing. This is in the case that you feel like it's toxic, uh, which a lot of them are. Yeah, I think you can still use them even if they're toxic, but just know you're not going to be using them for personal use. You're going to be using them to post horoscopes or post other astrological content. Uh, I do think it's a big time suck, but it's kind of a necessary one in the same way that, you know, any kind of self-promotion is. Um, But the thing with astrology that I find interesting is that so much of our self-promotion comes in the form of horoscopic astrology (laughs) online on social media. It's like, okay, I want to make myself known so people know about me so I can help them with my services, right? Like, I don't think I used to think that business was a dirty word and marketing was a dirty word. And self-promotion was conceited, and all of these things that I think a lot of, especially in the met- metaphysics community, we have a lot of these concerns. Uh, but at the same time, it's like if you can't let people know that you're here to help with your skills, then they're not going to be able to get your help. Um, so it's certainly a fine line in a lot of ways as far as how you think about it, how you use it. I use Instagram. Um I need to get back into the YouTube game, but so much of this is about consistency, and I think that's the biggest piece of it is just being consistent, and so I know right now the only thing that I can be consistent with is Instagram very poorly, so I try my best. Um, The nice thing about some of these is uh, you can set up posts ahead of time and just queue them up to release at certain dates. Um, there's something for Twitter called like HootSuite, I think that you mentioned in your professional course. Uh, there's there's like things that there's tools to help you automate posts. So I definitely recommend doing those things just to minimize your time on those platforms if you don't like them. Um but yeah, that's how I feel about it. I use it. it It is a time suck because writing astrology is is time consuming. If you're I think if you're writing astrology and you're doing a good job at it, and you know you're like me and you're not super seasoned like I'm pretty new to astrology writing um it should probably take you a little while you know it 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 should be a little time consuming so yeah it's there's a lot of things to consider that way
0: sure but it's good practice writing and like communicating and learning how to communicate technical things especially like complex mm-hmm. technical things to a less um complex audience or mm-hmm. audience that has Needs it to be translated a little bit or or simplified a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting though, from like a almost like sociological standpoint, as astrologers, the the role or the important role that social media plays at this point in being the not full like interface, but to some extent the interface now with with like clients or or with how people can find out about your work as an astrologer and therefore becomes like a necessary piece in order to survive to some extent in this day and age. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely. And also uh, to your point of it, it's part of society essentially. Like you got to know what's going on out there in the world and what's going out there in the world in astrology it, are memes. Memes are happening um all of these kind of right. Yeah, there's a lot culturally happening online with astrology. So if you want to be current, you do have to engage, I think, with that. So that that's a good point. That's another reason why it's really important, I think, to be on social media so you just know what's going on.
0: Yeah, I like seeing what's happening in the community, what kind of discussions are taking mm-hmm. place. Last year during the pandemic, there was just some amazing stuff where people would notice things that were happening and sometimes make mm-hmm. good observations about what was going on and that would contribute to like some ongoing discussion about um, just the communities who are watching it or even just like today, like somebody on Twitter posted a news article that like the French president Emmanuel Macron had just been slapped by like somebody in a, an audience or something and they posted his chart, which is like a time chart and pointed out that he had transiting Mars exactly conjoining the de- degree of his descendant which is actually really impressive like a transit example just really quickly, but that was a <laughs> positive little social media thing that I noticed today.
1: That's wild. Yeah, that, that's such a good point. I certainly see things if you want to be like kind of plugged into the collective vibes. Yeah, for sure. And be abreast of the news. Uh, and. It kind of depends on what your astrological interests are, too. But for me, I love applying astrology to current events. I love applying it to just random topics that I see because I am on the internet or because I'm watching documentaries or whatever. So I think that's another piece, too, of, of being just a well-rounded astrologer is exposing yourself to a lot of different things, social media included, so that you you see these things and you can see more examples of astrology.
0: Yeah. Um, I also like seeing what's happening with the community, and mm-hmm. that was how we saw like the influx of astrologers, young, younger astrologers, over the past three or four or five years. And um, yeah, or posts like, for example, from you on Reddit, which is another social media site, and that's mm-hmm. how I first mm-hmm. met you. Mm-hmm. I met Austin way back in the day through MySpace space in the mid two thousands. So. Yeah, sometimes really, really good things come out of even very old, like social networks.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me for consults through the DMs. I mean, it's not Mm. ideal, but hey, you know, connected with a lot of clients over social media.
0: Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, social media presence becomes almost like a basically a necessity of some sort of Mm -hmm. picking some platform or sometimes having multiple platforms. I used to be like primarily on Facebook and then got on Twitter but didn't really get Twitter for a long time. But then eventually once I did get it, that became my main thing. And then somebody set up a profile for me on Instagram after the conference in Chicago in 2008 or 2018, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I've started trying to learn Instagram, but I'm still very bad at it. But um I have not gotten on TikTok yet. Have you gotten gotten on any dance videos in the near future for- No, I okay. and
1: I've thought about TikTok because I have a friend who she just got a million followers on TikTok, but she purposely spent cuz she's got her own business thing. She spent 6 months of dedicated focused effort to do that. Uh, from what I know about TikTok, you need to be posting with a frequency that is far higher than what is required to get a following on Instagram. That being said, Instagram is pretty slow to do that. Um, Yeah, TikTok is kind of intense. I have not gotten into it. I haven't even gotten into Twitter. I'm still trying to figure out Twitter. Um, Yeah, I just got off Facebook pretty much. I mean, I still throw my astrology stuff up on there, but like, Facebook's a wasteland. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a pretty (laughs) steep steep decline over the past several years for Facebook. Yeah. All right. So, other things that are good things in terms of transitioning into doing astrology professionally, and or advice for people that are making that transition. Can you think of any advice um, if somebody was thinking about that?
1: Um, I think go for it. Like, do it. Just plan. You know, make a plan. Um, Mm. And that plan is going to maybe seem crazy, and people might think that you are, but you just really have to believe in yourself, and it's really about just putting one foot in front of the other and just doing task after task after task. Like, cause it when it, when you see it, when you decide, like when you're like, I really want to do this, it is such a huge daunting thing. It seems impossible. And I think it seems like that so much that people don't do it. But if you break it down into smaller chunks, I promise it's totally doable. And then take Chris's course. Which person that does it for you? He's already done it for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And most half of the course is just talking about like ways to promote yourself or different things that are are useful mediums in order to make it as an astrologer.
1: That's how um, I started though. Was that course is it basically gave me an outline of tasks to do to start to start it. I don't know if I would have been um quite as thorough in making sure I did everything that I needed to do before I made the leap um, without mm, that, but Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes just realizing that that's what you love doing, that it's something you're really into and how much more time you could have if you're focusing on that and doing that full time instead of having to focus your attention somewhere else for, you know, five days a week from nine to five of, you know, most of your life. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is I just remember I was at a conference in like 2010 and I had organized a research symposium at this NCGR conference in Cambridge. And It was this amazing day where I had um, like 10 speakers and they all came in and they were like leading astrologers in their different respective traditions and they were supposed to give a talk about what the best parts of their tradition was and what it had to contribute to any future synthesis of astrology. And I had people like Rob Hand and Demetra and Ben Dykes and um, Richard Tarnas and like a bunch of other astrologers um, that were leaders in their respective areas. And then like I came home from that conference just on this high of like, you know, doing really important work in the field of astrology. But then I had to go back to my day job at like Starbucks. And I realized I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do this astrology thing and 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 make it work somehow so I can do that full time. And I like quit my job and put in my two weeks notice. And then uh there was some rough I ate like a lot of spaghetti for like the first like couple of years there and uh, was pretty broke, but it is. I think it's possible that anybody can make it. It's just a matter of if you're dedicated enough and you're willing to put in the work, then I think it's definitely possible.
1: Well, yeah, and I think you bring up such a good point too with uh, the time thing. Um, all of the time that you could be putting into building this thing that you want to build is taken up by a different job. That is so, that's so very real. And there's also this idea, this this saying about like, you know, if you want to receive something, you have to let go of your grip on whatever else you're holding on to, because a closed hand can't receive anything. And like time and time again, I did not believe that to be true, but it appears to keep being true. Um, Because the more time I made for astrology, the more time I was able to put into it, the more I got back out. Uh, Definitely that whole old adage of like, what you put in, you get out. Um. Yeah, pretty simple as that actually.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, What else? So yeah, uh, it's not going to be easy. And I mean, for me, I needed to write the book as well. I wanted to write my book. I was like, working on it for 10 years and that was part of why it took so long because also some of that period was like working a day job or doing other things that it took to get by as an astrologer in order to have free time to then like write the book. Um and actually actually I had a funny as like an aside, I had a funny thing happen recently where somebody wrote me who was like an audiobook um, guy that does like narration for audiobooks and he was like, hey, so this company contracted me to do an audiobook version of your book, but I've been getting some weird emails from them and I just realized that you may not have any awareness of that. Did you give them permission? And I said no. So some company had like randomly hired somebody to do an audiobook version of my book and was like trying to like, I don't know, rip me off or something. Wow. So that's really weird. Um, what so I'm, the
1: I'm heck.
0: I'm now thinking about though writing an audiobook because people have been asking me for that for years, but I've always responded that my my online course in Hellenistic astrology is basically like an extended Version of of my book where I go into much more detail, but it's largely based on a series of audio slash video lectures. So I always thought mm-hmm. an audiobook would be redundant, but now I actually have a good motivation to do that. So I think I'm going to do an audiobook. So if mm-hmm. people would be interested in that, let me know in the comments to this episode, just so I can have some like motivation to hype myself up to record a 700 page audiobook and how many, however many hours of like talking that's going to turn into. <laughs>
1: That's wild. Oh, I'm. I mean, I agree with you. It's a really. It would be a good thing to do. But yeah, uh, Godspeed.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. So that's one of the things, though, that you you will encounter as a self-employed, you know, sometimes self-published person is sometimes just having to look out for yourself, and sometimes you get weird mm-hmm. curveballs, but just have mm-hmm. to kind of roll with it and do do the best that you can.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a lot of um already even it's only been I've only, you know, really been out in the wild I guess for 3 months here and there's already been several instances of me being like I don't have any idea how to do this task that I am about to do that I've never done before but you just have to believe that you can figure it out and you do. Uh yeah, definitely curveballs. Those are happening. Uh but you know what? You take them and it's fine. It turns out fine.
0: Yeah. And every time you do something, once you like do it and learn that thing, it kind of stays with you a little bit and you've acquired like another little Mm -hmm. skill. And every time you do it again, especially like with YouTube videos or something like that, I always tell people just to like start doing it because you'll do poorly early on, basically, at least in retrospect. You'll do the best that you can at the time. But every time you do a new one, you'll do it slightly better and you'll learn something and improve and over time, you'll just get better and better and better. But if you hold off and don't start that process until you think it's perfect, then mm-hmm. you're going to miss out on a really crucial piece of you know, the whole process of learning. And I guess that's basically the exact same advice or a variation of the advice about consultations as well and not putting mm-hmm. that off too long.
1: Mhm, yeah, I mean, so much of this stuff is is going to be it's I mean, it's not stuff that you learn in in mainstream school or college, none of this. So, uh well, I guess unless you go for like a communications major, but yeah, you're gonna run into things and then your sense of confidence will increase every time you you make it over that little hump and your sense of like we all kind of have a little bit of like a sense of learned sense of failure, like we just assume that we we can't do it. um, and I think. Like if you take on the challenge, even in the little ones, when you're making your own business and you're being your new self-employed person, it's just going to build confidence the more and more times you engage with the challenge.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I felt that with public speaking. Have you gotten to do any? I guess you've had the whole pandemic over the past year, but um, at some point, like learning public speaking is a good skill as an astrologer as well. I guess Social media and like maybe doing videos or or Instagram live and things like that are probably good practice for that.
1: Mhm, yeah, that that helps certainly. Uh, another thing. yeah, we just keep adding on the things that are like right. it's hard when you start, but please just do it anyway. Um, but yeah, certainly, public speaking, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever not be nervous uh, before a podcast or before anything like this. I just always will be. and I just tell myself this was not my words. Was this Bruce Springsteen? I'm not sure, but somebody said it's like when I'm nervous behind stage. It doesn't mean that I'm scared. It means that I'm ready to do the thing. So I just tell myself, I'm "Not, I'm not scared. I'm ready to do the thing." That's how I feel about public speaking.
0: I like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be extremely nervous and would like shake before having to give some sort of presentation. Or at Kepler, they had us do debates, and Oof. I was not not in good shape at all for couple of those debates and just did terribly. but <laughs> yeah, it's something that you just the more you do it, you eventually gain it, it just um, becomes a lot easier. It, it doesn't it stops mm. freaking you out at some point to a certain extent.
1: It does. Yeah, I do also believe that there's like an expiration date on that because if I go a whole year without doing something on a stage or in front of people that first time back, it's like day 1 all over again but then you build up tolerance like it's just it's my stage fright tolerance i get a tolerance for it the more i do the stuff it it becomes easier yeah for sure
0: right okay um let's see anything else in terms of like learning astrology um things that accelerated your like learning path um or other things like that that became useful for you especially in terms of your education of astrology that later really came in handy in terms of um, starting to do it professionally?
1: Uh, as far as like things that maybe catapulted me, I mean, books are great. Don't try to just like go on the internet and the Google machine and hope for the best. Uh, definitely get some books. I know there are people out there who will also say, throw away all your astrology books. Don't do that. Uh, definitely read your books. Um, I think getting engaged with the astrology community early on also really, really helped me. Um, it helped me in a lot of ways, not just intellectually with learning, but just that internal kind of emotional fortitude to keep going with it when you don't necessarily have a classmate or, you know, someone to to go along that path with you. So getting involved in the community was really important for me personally. Um, it also, speaking of resources to get that are gonna help you getting involved with community, you're gonna learn from other people what resources they're using, uh, what books they're reading, uh, what podcasts they're listening to. And and it's way faster to just get that handed to you by chance if you're engaging with the world versus just waiting for it to fall in your lap or waiting to stumble across it on your own.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's so much because you can't know what you don't know until. You find out that you didn't know that thing, and oftentimes the quickest way to do that is to meet somebody else that um, lets you in on uh, not a secret, but but points you in the right direction or tells you about something that you you wouldn't have known otherwise.
1: Right, exactly, and and what you're saying, like you don't know what you don't know, like that's with every single thing that we come across in the world, and astrology is no different. So yeah, getting involved with community or Even just getting your first astrology book and flipping through 400, 500 pages and being like, oh, yeah, this actually is going to take a little bit of effort and time. Um, That is important. Uh, That's an important realization to make early on. Um, So, yeah, I guess other than that, I mean... Your podcast has been excellent just because I, I came in right at the right time when you were making all those videos about like the signs and the planet meanings. It's like a oh, four-hour right. workshop you were just giving out for free back then. Um, yeah, I learned a lot with that. So listen to that, everybody. Listen to it eight times. <laughs> eight times. I don't know if
0: you should listen to it eight times, but definitely like three or three or four is like the sweet spot for, for me. Uh, I'm kidding, but you know. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a good one, and um, yeah, just making resources available for free—that's one of the weirdest things. It's, I often think about how this is like the best time in history, probably ever, to be an astrologer because there's we have so much access to information and access to so many different traditions and types of astrology and research tools and apps. Like, you can get some amazing free websites that will calculate charts for you not just like astro.com but also like AstroSeq and all sorts of other websites there's apps like um, you know solar fire or astro gold or or what have you um, yeah and there's also just tons of free resources so it's possible to for people of like different income levels or different Educational orientations or different things like that from pretty much like every level to learn astrology at this point and like become an astrologer. And also, it's possible for people to make it as an astrologer and be successful and have that support them and do it ethically and in a responsible or respectable fashion, um, maybe more than at any other time in history. And I think there's something really exciting about that.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think it's just gonna be more and more and more of that going forward. I don't see that trend letting up at all. Um, in fact, I got some email from oh, because I get Channy New Nicholas, her newsletter, and mm. there was a job posting that was like a it was like a a six-figure salary job posting to work in the astrology industry, essentially, and there were health benefits. Right. I mean. I think that that also is pretty unprecedented, right? I don't know if uh, Valens had health benefits, but
0: Yeah, no, I don't I don't think he did in like Egypt in the 2nd century. Um he he was having a hard time actually, but um yeah, no, some astrologers are doing really really well and and being really yeah. successful and being able to support themselves and like flourish and that's that's the biggest thing for me and that's something I've always wanted to see and it's one of the reasons not just for the podcast and wanting to help like raise the bar in terms of like public education of astrology but also episodes like this to kind of encourage other astrologers to take that leap if they've been thinking about it because I do think it's possible and I don't think that the field is like oversaturated or something like that so that there's too much competition mm-hmm. but instead there's also just a lot more interest in astrology in general at this time and a lot more mm-hmm. people that like I especially want to see more Astrologers that are like good astrologers doing good astrology that's like conscientious. And um, I would love to encourage more of those people to come into the field and feel like they could actually make it and survive,
1: yeah, I agree with that as well. I think that is very important. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily like looking for some standardized model of astrology or anything, but I certainly do appreciate um, seeing that bar raised and seeing people be very thoughtful like you're saying and even you know it it does seem like at first glance like it could be kind of a saturated field but i i don't think that it is i mean in the same way if you're if you're looking at the astrology field thinking oh there's like all of these astrologers they're really great i don't know anything why would i ever do this um i don't think it's saturated we need uh, many many astrologers to To help all of the people, just how we need many, many, many physicians and many, many masseuses and many everybody's in those fields. Like they're not necessarily like there's always people that are going to need this this service. So uh, it's been around for thousands of years. I don't think it's going anywhere. So I think we can feel pretty good about it.
0: Yeah, and it is a useful like service that you can offer people because even no matter what your knowledge level of astrology is. Like especially if you're talking to a client who doesn't have much background in astrology, if you know more than them or if you know even a little bit more in some area, or even if you just have a slightly different take on their birth chart than than what they're used to and what they've used to to seeing, that's actually useful. and that's a valid and and um you know, valuable thing that you can offer them
1: mhm oh, yeah, and i've I've noticed that uh, plenty in my consults where, you know, the knowledge that I am actually using to provide that insight for them or to kind of guide them through a dialogue with their chart. It's it's not the most advanced stuff I know. I very actually rarely am using like Zodiacal releasing at this point in my consulting practice because it's just, I haven't even needed to go there necessarily. Um, because again, it is a lot of times it's really simple stuff especially if you have someone who hasn't gotten many readings. And I think the more interest that we get in, you know, people, more and more people are interested in astrology services. And that means that we're having this huge influx, at least in my opinion, a huge influx of lay people or astrology enthusiasts who really just don't know that much advanced knowledge. So I completely agree that if you want to consult, you just need to know more than your client. Yes. Yeah, and there's a pretty all the good.
0: Time. There's a pretty good chance that you do, just because astrologers sometimes tend to um, underestimate how much they they actually know. Yes. Um, especially if they've been studying for for a while, let's say like a year or two. Hmm. Um, all right. So yeah, I do wonder. I mean, we've brought up a couple of things that came up. where like um, the lack of certification and credentials, and the the lack of that being. Necessary in order to start practicing, which is kind of a double edged sword, because of course, that's not great. That it's kind of like astrology is like the Wild West where anybody can set themselves up as an astrologer, and sometimes that can be bad and that can lead to some people maybe not practicing ethical astrology or not even doing astrology, just sort of like pretending that they are. But it, it's, a, it's, a, I'm sometimes often, I've always been surprised at how, I don't know, at least in. The astrological community that I'm familiar familiar with, how infrequent that is when, in reality, like most astrologers that you meet or most people practicing astrology are actually trying to do it like ethically and, um, you know, conscientiously, and other things like that.
1: That's been my experience as well. Uh, I really haven't run into that too much. It's a lot of work to even, I just think that there are way easier ruses to pull on people. If you want to make some money, like there are way easier ways to do it than to pretend to be an astrologer uh, or to pick up enough to be dangerous to yourself and others and go forth. Um, Yeah, my experience has been similar. I don't see it that much. Every single industry has bad players and people doing things that either aren't part of their certification or uh, they're just doing unskillfully despite having certification. So certification doesn't, I mean as much as I have you know respect and pride for the degree that I have or whatever, uh, yeah, it doesn't doesn't guarantee anything. So I think you're gonna get really, really thoughtful, great astrologers. Despite not having any of these uh, certifications. Of course, that made me nervous coming in again because of my background has been very kind of um, customary or contemporary. Uh, But the more time I've spent in the industry or in the community, the more the less nervous I've gotten because my experience has been really heartening in that way.
0: Right. Yeah, I think, and I think part of the advice there, though, for some people is I've heard some people occasionally say they're waiting to start offering consults until they get like X certificate from certain astrological organization or from some astrology school or something like that. But I think in reality, those most of those certificates are not super useful or super necessary in order to start practicing astrology and in order for you to be good at practicing astrology, um, just because most of especially from the organizations, those courses don't tend to be super thorough. So it's like you're just doing it to get the certificate, but you could just offer those services without the certificate and if you're good at what you do, then that's just as effective. So um, I sometimes kind of I don't want to discourage people entirely from that because there are sometimes places for that or things that you could learn. From certain, if it's an actual astrology school that might be very useful. Um, but its certification is not always as necessary as people sometimes think.
1: Right. And if if the what we have access to is has a certain breadth, but not a certain depth to it, uh, you know, like I was just saying in, in my consults that I do, so much of what I do isn't my most advanced knowledge. I don't actually need to use it that much of the time. Um, so yes, I can get on board with all of those statements and yeah, just because someone offers a certification, I mean, I could, I could talk about this as its own separate thing for a while, just in general, the idea of what a certification means in today's world, because everybody has one for everything. You can get a certificate for lots of stuff. You know, so as far as the meaningfulness, I think it really depends on the actual program itself. And if it doesn't add quality, if there's no value added to your practice, um, and you're just getting it just to feel secure, if if you're getting it for your self-worth and not for your self-development, I think that's kind of the question.
0: Yeah, I think that's the important distinction to make because there's a lot of What's weird is like it's the due to the internet and the rise of like online teaching and online courses where you can study courses directly with individual astrologers um it's almost returned back in a way to the older model of like the apprenticeship model where it's like you find some teacher or some approach that has a specific approach that you like and you want to learn and specialize in and you go and you study with that person or study Under that sort of branch or school, in some sense, rather than something where you go to like a university and you study under like a ton of different teachers um, or something like that. It seems like that's become, over the past decade, more and more of where some of the best teaching is taking place, it seems like to me at this point.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's also been my experience as a student. Uh, I just was making a comment about how, like, it takes a village to raise a, a baby. And it's like, I'm that baby. I'm that astrology baby. And I have, like, a village of, you know, a very small family of astrologers, like my teachers. So, like, you know, you, Austin and Kelly, obviously. Um, Jason Holly. I really enjoy his teachings. But it's like, I've got my small little pot of teachers uh, or a lot of us just kind of have our one teacher, or even the idea of your teacher being maybe not with us anymore, and maybe dead for two thousand years, but still my teacher. Um, yeah, I, I agree that that can be just as fertile of a place to cultivate knowledge as as some you know cookie cutter uh, authoritarian <laughs> type university system that you know, just because someone says it's legit doesn't mean it's legit um, we have plenty of online universities too and that's a whole nother discussion so I, again I, I think quality of teaching and quality of knowledge doesn't have to do necessarily with just the idea of a certificate and I do think that some of my best knowledge has just come from these one-on-one teacher student type experiences.
0: Yeah, and it it returns us back to the word I was like searching for is the word lineage and the notion of lineage mm. and like returning back to almost a lineage based mm-hmm. thing where you know you can say that you studied with X teacher or Y school of astrology or what have you and it puts you in a certain lineage and that's is useful to like put on a bios sometimes mm-hmm. to say like where you're coming from and what tradition you sort of represent. And that can that can attract some clients to you and be a distinguishing feature in terms of if there are certain clients that are looking for an astrologer that's from a certain approach or school or what have you.
1: hmm yeah, it's definitely descriptive,
0: yeah, um okay, cool. So I wanted to mention so you I wanted to mention your website first. What is your website mm-hmm. where people people can find out more information about you?
1: Oh, yeah, think you that's uh, aligninglightastrology.com.
0: okay. And yeah. you've got an insta. What's your Instagram handle?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, I am also Aligning Light Astrology on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. Just all Aligning Light Astrology. Um, I'm Claire Moon, so you can also search for Claire Moon, and you'll probably Dr. Claire Moon. I'll probably come up if you do Dr. Claire Moon. That'll come up as well.
0: Okay, brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you do um, some like weekly teaching, right?
1: Yeah, right now I'm doing what I'm calling office hours because I wanted to mimic kind of that educational experience where you could just pop into a professor's office and ask him a question on your homework or whatever and then ditch. Uh, I have that one hour every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central time on Instagram Live. And then once a month, I do a virtual astrology club. Um, You can find that sign up on Instagram on my website. I have my events there as well. And you can find the sign up there for the link to go to virtual astrology club, which is happening at the end of the month.
0: Awesome. I like that. It's a really good idea. That's a smart, smart idea.
1: Well, I always wanted to start one in my town, but then the pandemic happened. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's really bad timing. I, that really decimated a lot of the local astrology groups in Denver. We mm-hmm. stopped doing our meetings and we haven't started yet. And we're trying to decide right now because everything like life is just like returning randomly to mm-hmm. normal. And I we're in this weird limbo where we're not sure if we're like it's time to start holding the local astrology group meetings again mm-hmm. or or what? You know, where, where is that? Mm-hmm. What city are you in roughly again? I'm trying to think if there's any big astrology groups by you.
1: I'm in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an NCGR chapter in Milwaukee, but I don't know what goes on there or if they meet in person or like, you know.
0: Yeah. What goes on there? That's really, it's a funny way to phrase it. Like,
1: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I'm from, <laughs> I'm from the, I mean, I, I know astrology will go on there, but I'm like, are you meeting at at this bar? Are you meeting at this church? Which right. one? We're in Wisconsin. You have two choices.
0: <laughs> they're, they're, they're doing like a- animal sacrifices or something like that. <laughs> I hope not. I, my apologies not in Milwaukee. to the,
1: Yeah,
0: that's more of a. Uh, another town, Oswego thing or something? Is that a No, we'll
1: sacrifice a a hot dish. We'll sacrifice a hot dish. Okay. All right.
0: (laughs) Um, Is there anything we should have mentioned that we didn't that I'm gonna stop hitting the record button and just like wish we had talked about that specific topic when it comes to making the transition from being a study student of astrology to a professional?
1: I mean, the the only thing I could think because we talked about A lot of logistical stuff, financial considerations, educational considerations, how best to do it skillfully, Um, talked about my relationship stuff. I mean, the only other piece I didn't really maybe mention was just, um, you know, I still haven't come out to everybody as an astrologer. I'm still working on that. I don't- Your
0: family doesn't know?
1: uh, Not all of them exactly. Okay. Uh, We're working on it.
0: Working on it? Okay.
1: Yeah. They just, yeah, they're they're concerned about me (laughs) quitting. That's a really, yeah. I
0: I mean, that's a legitimate thing. So I remember it's like somebody on Twitter like got skewered for this using the phrase like coming out as an astrologer. Um, But that was actually because he he was like a a white like straight male, and Mm -hmm. and somebody was saying that that's not a good phrase to use because it's co-opting like Mm -hmm. um, from the LGBT community. But I remember a lecture that was always really influential for me years ago by Lee Lehman um who is a queer astrologer who's who explicitly said that these were like parallel things and that there was a legitimate parallel to be drawn there from what it's like to come out as a a you know a gay gay individual versus mm-hmm. like as an astrologer. And while it's obviously not parallel and there's a lot greater hardships that mm-hmm. um gay people suffer from that and and being ostracized and everything else, especially in the past mm-hmm. that um that it's an interesting analogy to use where there are like some light parallels in terms of the level of trepidation and genuine fear or mm-hmm. um, concern about like being ostracized that astrologers can have and the need to sometimes keep that private for their own safety and their own well-being.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And as someone who I mean, I'm a queer astrologer and I actually am the perfect person to speak on this because I have done both now Um, or not done both, depending on which thing it is and who we're talking to. Because I have one brother who knows that I'm queer, but doesn't know that I do astrology (laughs) because I found the first one easier to talk about with him than the second. Um, yeah, but obviously like the things with danger, like direct physical danger is different now. It's not quite the same. And so, no, you can't make that. That's not a a perfect analogy by any means of, of it. However, I will say, um, there are certainly many, many, many places, more places I feel comfortable at this point being out as a, a queer, real pansexual person, than I feel being honest that I'm an astrologer and, and not only that, but it's like, my love, and I want to do it for my whole life. You know, um, it's it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm into astrology. What's your sign?" versus like, "I'm a consulting professional astrologer. I have rates. I do this as my job. Uh, this is my that." When people ask me, "What do you do?" this is what I say. Um, so yeah, it's been a whole thing. I'm working on it. I you know the first step for me was bringing my books home and just letting my parents see my books and then they saw my books they asked some questions they were actually cool about it cuz they grew up in the 70s so actually older people sometimes seem to be way more understanding to me when i tell them than some younger people who especially younger people who are um not acquainted with the metaphysics yeah
0: yeah well it's interesting also when people do have Objections to it, whether they're coming from like a religious standpoint or coming from a like scientific standpoint, and the fact that you it can be, you can see objections coming from both sides. That's one of the things that makes it so tricky as an astrologer in society because those are like the two biggest sort of demographic blocks, and astrologers are not in a good position with with sort of either of them.
1: Mm Hmm. Yes, and you know, uh, I just need to do it because I keep experiencing too that. Every single time, with a few exceptions that I'm scared to tell somebody, their response is super supportive or super delighted. And then it turns out that they're secretly like, oh, but can you then tell me about all of this? Uh, So I've actually had some technicians at the pharmacy. That was the big thing for me is I didn't want any pharmacists to know, but I had a couple of my little pharmacy technicians who were younger and, and it just came up somehow and they found out. And they were like a swarm. They wanted me to tell them everything about themselves. And I was like, we're in the pharmacy. we got to get back to work. (laughs) But the response was so jovial and I was so scared and I shouldn't have been, you know. Uh, There's a lot of people out there who who have been way supportive when I, I didn't think that they would be. So I guess my if I could tell anybody anything about that, like, yeah, it's scary again, it's something that the more I think that you do it, if you're safe to do it, if you can, um, the more that you might find that people are actually really supportive and are really supportive of you just being your authentic self. Like People actually are pretty kind about that.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so as well. Um, I was just looking for that speech because it's still up on YouTube. It was like a commencement speech that Lee gave at a Kepler college graduation around 2007, 2008, but it's actually Mm -hmm. up on YouTube and it's titled is there a political dimension to being an astrologer? um so it looks like that's on the Kepler YouTube channel. so people should search for that and check it out just for reference to like some of this discussion and a little deeper sort of reflections on it that were you know twelve thirteen years ago now.
1: Mhm mhm, yep, yeah, it's a whole thing, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today for this this impromptu podcast. I didn't even like we threw this together so so quickly that I didn't even say the date. But today was June eighth, twenty twenty one, and I don't know the exact time, but we started right before sunrise or right before sunset here in Denver, Colorado, and the ascendant was at about seventeen degrees of Sagittarius. If anyone wants to work out what time that was in retrospect, so uh, thanks for joining me for for this discussion.
1: Yes, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That's great.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with your future career as an astrologer. You're gonna have to check in like periodically and let us know <laughs> how it's going. And if you've, <laughs> um, yeah, if you've become like massively successful, I'll, I'll at least have like, caught you relatively early in your career. So hopefully you'll come back and make, an, make future appearances on the podcast at some point down the road.
1: I will take this hypothetical vote of confidence. I will keep you updated. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
0: So people should check out uh, Claire's website at aligninglightastrology.com. And that's it for this episode. So thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of the Astrology Podcast, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks. Special thanks to all the patrons that supported the production of this episode of the Astrology Podcast through our page on patreon.com. In particular, thanks to the patrons on our Producers tier, including Nate Craddock, Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Sumo Kopik, Nadia Haphab, Issa Sabah, Morgan McKinsey, and Jake Otero. For more information about how to become a patron and get access to exclusive subscriber benefits such as early access to new episodes, go to patreon.com slash Also, special thanks to our sponsors, including the Northwest Astrological Conference, which is happening online, May 27th through the 31st, 2021. Find out more information at net. The Mountain Astrologer magazine, which you can find out more information about at mountainastrologer.com. The Honeycomb Collective Personal Astrological Almanacs, which you can find out more information about at honeycomb.co. Also, the Portland School of Astrology. More information at portlandastrology.org. The Astro Gold Astrology App available for both iPhone and Android available at astrogold.io. And finally, the primary software program that we use on episodes of the Astrology Podcast is called Solar Fire Astrology Software, which is available at alabe.com, and you can get a 15% discount with the promo code AP15.